today on Adventures in Faith with Jerry Savelle. You ever had something happen to you for the first time? Did it mark you? Well, it marked me because I'm still telling the story. You don't ever forget it. My first time to preach in the services with Kenneth Copeland. And I've been doing it now for 52 years, praise God. Now, I want to read to you uh, a word that I received from the Holy Spirit on April the 6th, 2021. And the Lord has done this with me almost from the beginning when I first surrendered my life to the Lord. And it it seemed like it would just come to me in, uh, in rhyme form. I don't sit down and try to make it happen. I never know when it's going to happen, but I sure like it when it does because when I was in school, I couldn't rhyme anything. (laughs) Roses are red, violets are blue. That's all I know. The rest is up to you. That's, you know. (laughs) But it seems to come in rhyme form, and I like it when it happens. So listen to this. Now, this came on April the 6th, 2021, in an a time of prayer. A year of first, that's what you will see. I'll make it happen. You can count on me. Things never seen nor ever heard before. I'm bringing them the past. That's what's in store. Things that most will say could never be. Just stay in faith and watch and see. For this is the time for an outpouring of my love. So get ready for more and more unusual things from your father above. People will stand in awe and wonder at the goodness or the glorious things that they shall see, and you'll testify they're happening to you because of your love for me. No longer think that what looks so impossible could never change. Oh, yes, it will, says the Lord. In fact, it's already been arranged. So rejoice in your God and boldly say, I'm headed for greater things, and they're on their way. So let's lift our hands and say, I receive that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. A year of first, a year of first. Now go with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. And let's begin reading in about verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. There's another translation that says, you're the God that makes things happen. I love that. Look at your neighbor and say, the God I serve serve. is the God God. that makes things happen. happen. And boy, he's been doing that for me for 52 years. He's the God that makes things happen. Now, notice here the psalmist, this is not David, uh, another psalmist, 
But he is saying that uh, what I'm hearing him saying is there are some memories that are so wonderful that you just can't forget them. Things that God's done in your life that, that you're reminded of time and time again. You know, uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, I came to the Lord in 1969. Prior to that, I owned an automotive business. I was living my dream at the time. That's all I'd ever wanted to do. And uh, my dad uh, did paint and body work. My dad restored classic automobiles. My dad built hot rods that were published in Hot Rod Magazine back in the 50s. My dad raced cars. I grew up on racetracks. And uh, I loved speed. And I'm not talking drugs. I'm talking horsepower. (laughs) I don't know anything about that other stuff. But anyway, uh, that's the way I grew up. And my dad had the reputation of being one of the best. And uh, I wanted him to teach me everything he knew about doing that kind of thing because that's, that's what I wanted to do. Now, I grew up with a dad that was my best friend. I loved my dad. I loved being with my dad. I'd rather been with my daddy than anybody else on the planet. And most of my classmates, guys I grew up with, they loved being with my dad. And uh, everything he did is what I wanted to do. Everything he knew how to do, that's what I wanted to learn how to do. And so he began teaching me, because I'd ask him, I'd say, Dad, I want you to teach me how to do this. So back in those days, uh, I remember uh, Dad worked for a Chevrolet dealership, a place called Howard Crumley Chevrolet in Shreveport, Louisiana, back in the 50s. And on, uh, back in those days, uh, they'd work Monday through Friday, a full day, but on Saturday, they'd work half a day till noon. And so I'd get to go to the shop with him on Saturdays. And uh, Dad had a Coca-Cola box. How many of you remember those? They carried the bottle of Cokes in, you know? And Dad would set that Coca-Cola box up on its edge, and I'd sit on it and watch him. Watch everything he did. And then when I get through watching him, I'd take that box into the paint shop and I'd watch the painters prepare uh, the car for paint and watch them paint it. And uh, so I'm, I'm observing, I'm learning. I, you can learn a lot by observation. You know, when I first came to work with Brother Copeland, very seldom did he set me down and say, now, Jerry, I want to teach you this and Jerry, I want to teach you that. I observed. You can learn a lot by observation. In fact, uh, the day before I moved to Fort Worth to go to work with Brother Copeland, my father-in-law had a, had a huge garden. He loved uh, raising fresh vegetables. And the day before we uh, <clears throat> moved to Fort Worth, I was out there walking in his garden, and he had corn stalks that were taller than I was. And I'm walking down through the rows between those corn stalks, and I heard the Lord say this, now, this, this is kind of a Southern term, but God's throne is in Southern heaven, okay? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I heard the Lord say this. When you get to Fort Worth and you go to work with Brother Copeland, watch him like a hawk. I mean, you ever heard that phrase? He said, watch him like a hawk. And he said, I'll teach you three predominant things by watching him. Number one, I'll teach you how to preach with authority. 
Number two, I'll teach you how to pray for the sick. And number three, I'll teach you how to tap into the wisdom of God. So I wrote all that down. And when I came to Fort Worth, uh, we'd only been here a couple of days and I started traveling with Brother Copeland. And uh, back in those days, uh, I, I drove uh, the, the vehicle that he had that I carried the sound system in and I set up the auditoriums and the meetings and so forth. And, and, uh, and when I first started, my first trip uh, was going to be three weeks long. We didn't go anywhere back in those days for one night. Brother Copeland, you say it takes three weeks. First week, you, you got to break through all the unbelief. Second week, people start listening to what you hear, what you're, what you're saying. And the third week, we have a move of God. <laughs> okay. So anytime I left, it was at least three weeks, you know. And so that became my Bible school. Now they, Brother Copeland did three services a day, every day. We might take off on a Saturday and then he started again on Sunday. And it's three services a day. And I'm in every service. Now, I'm recording all the messages back on reel-to-reel tapes. I mean, if you remember reel-to-reel tape. And one of my jobs after I set up uh, the little meeting hall, and back then we didn't go to churches that often because most of them didn't want to hear what he had to say because he was going cross-grain with their religious tradition. So we'd have to find a neutral territory and a lot of times it'd be like a little community center or a little hotel ballroom. And, and of course, back then we may, you know, if we had, if we had 20 people in a day service, that was big. Uh, uh, if we had a hundred people in the evening service, that was huge. And so I'd set up these little meeting rooms and, uh, and then the opening night, uh, when, when brother Copeland would begin the service, a lot of times he would, he would have me to open it in prayer and, and then he would take it from there. And a lot of times uh, he would ask me to find a piano player where he could, he could sing a song before he preached. And back then his theme song was a song called More About Jesus. And he'd usually sing that before he'd preach. And boy, sometimes it was a, it was a faith project to find a piano player. One time he told me, boy, don't find me another three-fingered piano player. You know? I said, well, that's the best I can do, you know. Beggars can't be choosers, you know. And, uh, and then once he, he, he got ready for the, to preach the word, now I'm sitting on the little platform here, you know, with a little reel-to-reel recorder, an amplifier that we bought at Radio Shack, okay, and, and got the speakers out in front. And I'm sitting there waiting for my cue when he got ready to, to start his sermon. Yeah, he, he always amazed me. He, he, he mounted the pulpit like he's about to ride a Harley. <laughs> then he'd turn around and say, turn me on, Jerry. That meant turn the recorder on. And I got a headset on and I'm making sure we're getting a good recording. Turn me on, Jerry. I heard that three services a day, every day, for a few years. Turn me on, Jerry. Turn me on, Jerry. And I'd just like to announce if it hadn't been for Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Copeland would have never got turned on. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 
And as soon as I was satisfied, we got a good recording and I put that headset down and I got my Bible and I got my notebook and that was my Bible school. I, I took notes on everything he said. And, uh, and then I'd take it home and I'd preach it to Carolyn. And, and back then, I also took a duplicator that I set up in my hotel room so I could make another re- a copy of the message because every once in a while, people would want a copy of it. Now, it wasn't, wasn't selling a lot of them, but every once in a while, they'd say, uh, do, can we get a copy of what he preached today? So I'd take that, that message that I recorded back to my room and in that duplicator that I had, if the message was an hour long, it took an hour to duplicate it. So I would hear, if somebody, if somebody ordered a copy of it, or if somebody ordered it, you know, three people ordered it, I heard that message the first time it's preached, and I heard it three more times. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And uh, boy, I was getting it. It was getting into me, you know. And so uh, that, that, that began my walk of faith. And then eventually, I remember one day, we were going to Jacksonville Beach, Florida to do a meeting. And, uh, and I'm driving down there in this Buick Wildcat station wagon, got the sound system and all in it, you know. They used to park it out here once in a while, you could see it. And uh, uh, on the way down to Jacksonville, I heard the Lord say, are you ready? I said, for what? He said, be ready. I said, okay. I didn't know what I was supposed to be ready for, but I was doing my best to be ready. And so several times down there, you know, I'd I'd spend the night somewhere along the way. I'd get up and start driving again the next morning. Are you ready? I said, for what? He said, just be ready. I said, okay. So uh, the opening night of the meeting, I, I got Brother Copeland in the car, took him over to the the place where we were having the service and he preached that night. Then I took him back to the hotel and the next morning he's got a 10 o'clock service. And I heard the Lord say again that morning, are you ready? I said, for what Lord? He said, be ready. I said, okay. And so I received a call in my room. Now, of course, this is way before cell phones, you know, I received a call in the room and I was just about to go out to knock on his door to his room. And I was about to close my door and I heard the phone ring and I went and answered it. And it was brother Copeland. He said, are you ready? I said, yes, sir. I'll be there. I was on my way just as the phone rang. He said, no, I mean, are you ready? I said, for what? He said, be ready. I thought he and God have a one track mind. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be ready for but I'm ready. And so I take him over there and uh, I get in, in, you know, I open the meeting up like I normally did, turn it to him. And, and then I went to make sure I'm going to get a good recording, you know, so I can turn him on. And uh, he turned around and said, "Uh, Jerry, come up here. I walked up there next to him. He said, you're going to preach this morning and you're going to start preaching the morning services. Are you ready? That's what God was talking about. Now, see, up to this time, I wasn't preaching with him. 
Now, in between services, I would hit the streets, and I'm witnessing. And, and I'd win a lot of people to the Lord and then bring them into the meetings. In fact, in that Jacksonville meeting, I led over personally, one-on-one, over 150 people to the Lord during that meeting, praise God, out on the beach, you know? Because I started out as a street evangelist, so I knew how to win souls, you know? And, and I'd get so full in those services, I couldn't just go back to the room. I, I, I needed an outlet, so I'd hit the streets and, and, and share with people. And so uh, he said, uh, are you ready? You're going to start doing the morning services. And uh, I thought, well, that's what God was talking about. But I was in the Word all the time. And I'm hearing those messages over and over and over because I'm recording them and I'm duplicating them. And, and now I'd begin to learn how to apply them and live by them. And it was working for Carolyn and I. You know, we were not on the same level as, as, as Brother Copeland and Gloria, but it was working for us, praise God. We had them as our examples, you know, and it was working for us. And uh, so I, I, I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. And then I thought, what am I going to preach? Well, everything I knew, I learned from him. And one of my favorite sermons that he preached was called The Greatest Faith. And it was about the Roman centurion, you know, that, that uh, uh, said, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, that's not necessary. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And you know the story. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, that's the greatest faith I've seen. I hadn't seen that kind of faith in all of Israel. And I love that sermon on the greatest faith. Brother Copeland would say, the greatest faith is when you have confidence in the word and its authority alone. And so that was going to be my sermon because that was my favorite sermon that he preached. And I, and I, and I, I, I opened my Bible to that chapter and then it dawned on me. What could I say that Kenneth Copeland doesn't already know? And it, and it kind of shook me a little bit. And then the Lord said, you're not preaching to Kenneth Copeland, you're preaching to them. I said, oh yeah, praise God. <laughs> but when I got through, he jumped up and said, boy, you said something today I never heard of. I thought, we'll do it again tomorrow, praise God. Amen. <laughs> you mean I said something you never heard of? Wow, praise God. So that, that was a first for me. Amen? You ever had something happen to you for the first time? Did it mark you? Well, it marked me because I'm still telling the story. You don't ever forget it. My first time to preach in the services with Kenneth Copeland. And I've been doing it now for 52 years, praise God. Amen? But that was the first. First have a way of marking you. Now, I've had a lot of firsts take place in my life, and I'm sure that most of you have as well. You know, uh, uh, a first for me included the first time I ever heard Kenneth Copeland, 1969, February of 1969. And at that time, I was running from God just as hard and fast as I could. And and, uh, I didn't want to go to church with Carolyn. I didn't want to go hear another preacher. And she begged me to go. 
And she was going every night. Brother Copeland had been there for several nights and several days, and, and she'd come home. Now, Carolyn was raised in a Pentecostal church. I wasn't. I never heard of Pentecostal till I started dating her. I didn't know what a Pentecostal was. And uh, she was going every service. She'd been filled with the Holy Ghost since she's eight years old. And the church that she went to was, was pastored by uh, Jack Moore. And Jack Moore traveled with William Brannan everywhere he went. Jack Moore was one of his closest friends was Gordon Lindsay. Jack Moore had all the great healing evangelists at Life Tabernacle in Shreveport. And Carolyn grew up in that. I didn't. And, and now uh, Jack Moore had invited Brother Copeland to come to the church. And he's preaching. And uh, uh, I'd come home from my body shop, paint body shop. And Carolyn would beg me to go to the service with her that night. I said, Carolyn, I'm tired. I've worked all day. I, you know, I, I got Bondo dust from head to toe. I got grease from one end to the other. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You go. I think you got your own key to the place. You practically live there anyway. <laughs> you know, Carolyn's whole life was all about God. My whole life was all about Jerry. We are two individuals living under the same roof, going two different directions. And, and of course, I was living my dream. You know, my dad was so proud of me. I, I was 21 years old and I owned my own business. He always wanted to own his own business and do what I was doing, but he never was quite able to get there. And now I was 21 years old, owned my own business and, and living my dream. But I knew I wasn't living God's dream. But I didn't want to go to church because I'd get under conviction. And I knew if I ever yielded to it, I'd have to preach and I didn't want to. So I'd stay out of church. I knew I was called to preach since I was 10 years old. I heard the call watching Oral Roberts on television, but that's not what I wanted to do. And so she'd ask me every night to go, and I, I, I refused to go. And the last night, she said, if you will go tonight and you don't like this preacher, then I will never ask you to go again. I said, what? She said, I will never ask you to go again. I thought, now that's a deal I've been waiting on. <laughs> you promise if I don't like him, I'll never have to go again. I'll never ask you to go again. I said, all right, I'm going. And I said, now I'm going, but we're going to sit as close to the back door as we can get. And the moment I don't like him, I'm going to get up and leave and you get home the best way you can. She said, if that's what it takes to get you there. Okay. So I'm going. So I cleaned up and and, and we started to the church. And I asked her on the way over there, I said, now, who is this preacher you want me to hear? She said, Kenneth Copeland. I said, it wasn't that bad. I said, uh, I said, Kenneth, she said, Kenneth Copeland. I said, Kenneth Copeland. I was saying it to myself, Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. I knew I'd heard that name before. And I, I remembered hearing that name on the radio. Yeah. I said, I know who that is. She said, how would you know Kenneth Copeland? You don't go to church. <laughs> I said, well, there was a man back in 1957. Now, you can ask my wife. You can ask Brother Copeland. There, there was a time, <laughs> I'm not quite as sharp at it today as I was way back then. 
but I could tell you every song, who recorded it, what year it was recorded, and I knew most of the words to it. I just sang them all the time, you know. And, and, and I don't know, I just remembered all that stuff. And so I said, there was a man in 1957 on the radio, had a hit record, is in the top 20. His name was Kenneth Copeland, and the song was A Pledge of Love, The Pledge of Love. She said, it's not the same man. <laughs> I said, well, how do you know? Have you asked him? She said, no, I've never even spoken to him. I said, well, how do you know it's not the same man? She said, I just know. And so they finally turned the service to him and it was, it was uh, that's another story in itself. But anyway, but in about less than 15 minutes, he just stopped. He said, I don't know why I'm saying this. It has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I guess somebody in here needs to hear this. Back in 1957, I had a hit record on the radio called The Pledge of Love. And he told a little bit about that. And then he said, now let's get back into the message. Now, God had him do that for me. I told you I had the favor of God on my life. I don't know why I'm God's favorite child. I just am. He makes me feel that way. But he did that. He said, I don't know why I'm saying this. I guess somebody in here needs to hear it. Are you ready to see God do something new? What if God is about to move in your life like never before? Today's special offer, the Barrier Breaking First Special Package, contains Jerry Savelle's brand new two-part CD series, Barrier Breaking First, his insightful book, Knowing God, and his best-selling book, If Satan Can't Steal Your Dreams, He Can't Control Your Destiny. In this special package, Jerry reveals a prophetic word given to him about the days to come, how God desires you to experience new first in your life, and how to come into agreement with God and His plan to see them manifest. It's time for you to go further than ever before. It's time for a new breakthrough. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Barrier Breaking First special package. Don't miss what God is about to do. Order now and begin to position yourself for new breakthroughs, new favor, and new blessings. Thank you once again for joining us today. I trust these programs have been a blessing to your life. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, what you've learned, you'll be a doer of it. And God promises when you're a doer of his word, then you will be blessed in all your deeds. Amen. Before we leave the air, let me remind you of our special product offer. First of all, two CDs entitled Barrier Breaking First. You know, one of the things I've learned about first is every time you have one, it's like a domino effect. It's just one comes right after the other. You're going to enjoy this series, two CDs on barrier breaking first. And then this special little book I wrote a number of years ago, and it's still a popular book right here in the ministry. If Satan can't steal your dreams, he can't control your destiny. Don't let Satan steal your dream. God gave you that dream. It's worth fighting for. It's worth holding on to. God wants it to happen for you. And praise God, if you will stay in faith, then God will see to it that that dream becomes reality. Don't let Satan steal your dream. And then once again, this little book, Knowing God. I wrote this book a number of years ago, and it's still a very powerful lesson. 
one of the greatest teachings I believe I've ever done, knowing God. So this is our resource package for this week. And uh, I want to encourage you to place your order. You can go to jerrysavelle.org or you can look on the screen and find out all the ordering information and the price. But we encourage you to place your order right now while it's fresh on your mind. And let me encourage you to join us again next week for Adventures in Faith. We look forward to seeing you then. And remember, your faith will overcome the world.